This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Enterprise. My name is Rich Bradbury. This, of course, is Open for Business. It is 10.05 here in the studio on Thursday, the 26th of August. A whole bunch of stuff lined up for you this morning, kicking us off in just a moment with how you can redefine everyday adventures. I'll be speaking with Douglas Douglas Gann from UAP. It's uh, an app that's developed by Douglas, a straightforward solution for anyone seeking out unique local experiences, targeting the the untapped Malaysian market. This platform offers a curated selection of activities aiming to connect residents and tourists with intriguing opportunities typically overlooked in everyday life. Uh, we'll be speaking about that very shortly. Coming up after that, of course, we have uh, Dixon Wu from Fortinet, fortifying human firewalls, cybersecurity's new frontier. Uh, we'll be looking at the critical issue of cybersecurity, spotlighted by a recent Fortinet Malaysia survey revealing that over 30% of devices in Malaysian networks are unmanaged, potentially leading to serious breaches, some of which we've already seen happen here in Malaysia, of course. And then coming up on uh, Enterprise Biz Bytes at noon, navigating and tapping into conscious consumerism and the green divide. More ESG stuff coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. Okay, then let's kick off. I, I'll, I've said it before, but I'll just repeat what I've got. Douglas Gang, he is here with me right now. He's the founder of UAP, and I've just mentioned it's a straightforward solution for anyone seeking out unique local experiences. It does target the untapped Malaysian market. A platform offers a curated selection of activities aiming to connect residents and tourists with intriguing opportunities typically overlooked in everyday life. Douglas, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, good morning, Richard. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. I don't know where to start, Douglas. So, obviously, you're a, you're a tech entrepreneur. You're an angel investor. You now have established your own startup, UAP. Um, why did you decide to start doing this? And, and tell me a little bit more about UAP. Um, so, during COVID, um, I saw a lot of... Uh, gaps in the existing social networks. So I thought, you know, uh, maybe I should challenge that. So last uh, October, I started to assemble the team and we started developing it in December. And then by February, we launched it um, for global events where people can connect with one another, meet with one another, chat with one another. So by global events, we're talking about um, events that are very big, like uh, above 10,000 uh, attendees, that kind right. of event. Yeah. Um, so Ultra Music Festival will be one of them, yeah. Tech in Asia Conference and so on. Um, so most recently, we have expanded to uh, local experiences where uh, we want to help the locals um, uh, tra- or the tourists traveling to the uh, local uh, place um, to experience what um, the local culture is like. Okay. Yeah. So so talk me through how it works. And if, if I download the app to my phone and I, and I register with it and say I want to know a little bit more about um, KL, a little, uh, spaces within KL, how does it work? Ah, so using the app, you can find um, different experiences mm. uh, and then you can um, browse uh, the various experiences available at different parts of KL and then you can book them. Okay, so yeah. I, for example, if I'm interested in museums, like, can I like uh, choose, I want to go to museums and then it will highlight that, will it? Uh, right now, we are starting with uh, very unique merchants. Okay. So they are offering very unique um, offerings. So like uh, indoor camping you oh. know, in an in a aircon warehouse. Okay. Um, or like a cocktail um, with 
the fire theatrics. I uh, see. Yeah, or like a magical performance when you're eating steamboat. So, so genuinely stuff that you wouldn't normally see on some of the other apps that are out there. Yeah, that's right. How did you find out about some of these things that are happening around the Klang Valley and, and other places? Uh, so it started with um, traveling to Japan, to Europe, uh, to China, where you see like the floating dessert bowls, yep. like you see the um, standing noodles, and yep. then you see, yep. uh, you know, very cool stuff in Dubai. And then you go like, is this available anywhere else in Asia? And then you started looking for it. <laughs> and then you say, no, it's not. You know? <laughs> yeah, and then you realize that, oh, okay, there are some shops that offer yeah, that. Yeah. So how do you find them, though? Do people tell you that these things are happening and then you, know, you get somebody to go out and check it out and then add it to the app? Yeah, it was very hard. So we had to do a lot of surveys. We yeah. had to go on the ground, talk to many, many, many people, mm. yeah, try and search them. Mm. Yeah. Okay, tell me a little bit then about your... I guess your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, is this your first app? Is it? Uh, no, this is. Uh, wow, this is probably my tenth plus app. Oh wow! <laughs> so you've been quite busy. You've done a, a whole bunch of stuff before. Yeah, since '97. Right, and what kind of other apps have you developed up until this point? Um, so I've developed a social network, a beauty um, platform to do product reviews, uh, a beauty platform to social network as well, location-based app. Um, a fashion e-commerce uh, app, uh, logistics app, uh, payment apps, e-wallet apps, crypto wallet apps. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Many. Well, I, I guess then that kind of opens up so many uh, questions that I have. Give me, where do I start? Give me some of the big challenges that you face. I mean, normally the two things that I hear is funding and HR problems, you know, staffing problems. These tend to be the two things that I hear regularly. It, it, is it similar for you? Uh, for me... Uh, because I, I didn't, I'm not a degree holder, mm. so I, I, I ended school early. So when I first started, uh, I was clueless about the real business world. Um, so there were inc incidents like um, I got sued by a customer um, when I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. You know, because I was clueless about proper um, agreements, proper invoicing. Yeah, but luckily we went to court and, mm. and I won. Right. Yeah, so I just tried to explain to the judge in a, you know, in, in a logical manner. Yeah, but... You know, the judge said, remember, agreements and invoices, everything in black and white, very important. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't know that when I was 16. So at 16, you can kind of almost feign ignorance and be like, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't really know. Nowadays, of course, things are a lot more different. Um, well, we have email trails, uh, yeah, but back yeah. then email was not submissible in court. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, back then. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The, um, and what about more recently, though? Now, obviously, you're developing an app that's, you know, making quite a big impact from what I understand. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're looking at places all over the world, uh, mainly in, in three locations, though, Singapore, Malaysia, and I think you mentioned Indonesia yeah, as well, Indonesia. Is, is where you're looking at right now. How are things different in these three places? I mean, in terms of, obviously, you're looking at very cultural-based stuff uh, for some of the um, content that you're putting in there. But in terms of working practices, um, what do you experience that's different in these three different locales? Um... The traffic, definitely. <laughs> Singapore, you can sort of predict, you can meet like six to eight people a day. Uh, Malaysia, probably three to four. Indonesia, probably two to three. Right, right. Yeah. So it's a big problem getting to and from meetings then. I, yeah, that's know. right. Traffic okay. is a huge problem. So what is it about Malaysia then that attracted you to come and look at the startup scene here? Um, 
So M- Malaysia's cost of living mm. um, is affordable. Especially um, right now with that ringgit price, right? <laughs> and then the uh, ease of travel. So from Malaysia, you can go to Japan, Thailand, uh, Taiwan uh, very efficiently. But you could do that in Singapore too, right? Surely. Uh, yeah, yeah. About an hour and an hour and a half difference. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then uh, the ease of... Uh, uh, the is of hiring. Right. Yeah, so there are 30 million people here, um, over 3 point something million foreigners. Mm. Uh, so Malaysia is very foreigners friendly. Mm. Right now, it's quite difficult to apply for passes in Singapore for mm-hmm. foreigners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cost of doing business for you currently is cheaper if you do it here in Malaysia? Yeah, much more affordable. Right, right, right. So yeah. was, would that be something that you would advise other potential entrepreneurs who may be you know, down in Singapore thinking, you know, should we look at Malaysia as somewhere to move to oh absolutely um if you look at malaysia it has diverse culture diverse language yeah um diverse uh, talent pool and you have all the races here mm-hmm. yeah so it's an amazing place to set up now here's the interesting thing when you speak to a lot of malaysians they think the opposite you know not all of them but they often you'll see them going overseas you know this whole brain drain thing is a discussion that i'm sure you've heard much about and it, to retain talent here in Malaysia tends to be quite an issue. What would you say to people, you know, who are thinking about going elsewhere? What, what advice would you give them? Uh, I think they can go elsewhere for access to capital mm. because Malaysia is very challenging for mm. capital. Mm. Um, but they could use Malaysia as an operational base due to its um, language and uh, talent uh, advantage. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's take a short break then, Douglas. When we come back, I want to ask you a whole bunch more questions about your startup capital, if you're okay talking about that, of course. Folks, you are tuned in to Open for Business here on BFM 89.9. I'm in the studio with Douglas Gan. He's the founder of UAP. We'll be finding out a little bit more about that after these messages. We've got a song coming up, of course, from Chairlift with Bruisers here on Open for Business on BFM 89.9. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by Bosboli.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Beats, funk, mixtapes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosboli.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Welcome back to Open for Business here on BFM 89.9. Of course, my name is Rich Bradbury. I'm here in the studio with Douglas Gang. He is the founder of UAP. It is an app that's a straightforward solution for anyone seeking out unique local experiences, targeting the untapped Malaysian market. Douglas, tell me a little bit more about the app. Let's get back into it. And you, You've said there's been pivots for like localized content and larger content. Where, where do you see it right now? Uh, we, we see it as a new way for professionals to network. We started with global events and conferences um, and these professionals are inquiring uh, where to go, what to do. And then we went deeper and we realized that uh, they really love to network, especially if they're working. Um, so then we decided to create an alternative way for them to network through experiencing unique experiences. And then with that, it breaks the bond, breaks the breaks the ice, and then it, it creates and forms a very strong relationship. Ah, and, yeah. and it's a lasting forming memory as well. You know, in, Instead of it being, do you remember that time we went to a conference and we met each other? It becomes something like, do you remember that time we saw that floating plate in... Yeah. Much stronger memory, right? Yes, that's right. That's a great idea. And why did you decide to do that? What, what was the kind of... Did you have feedback from people telling you this kind of thing? 
Yes, that's right. So initially we started with the local culture stuff. Yeah. And then we realized that, oh, people can find those stuff online already. And there's so many players doing that. Mm. So if we were to do something, it has to be something that helps them. And then when we went deeper, they said, okay, you know what? We love to network, but it's so boring. It's always office, industrial <laughs> parks, name card exchanges, everyone standing around, right, right, 100 right. plus people. Right. Yeah. Can we do something more intimate, something more relationship forming, lasting memory kind yeah, yeah. of activities? Oh, yeah. good idea. Good idea. Uh, let's talk about your, your startup capital then. I mean, obviously, you, you're, you're not a first-time player to this. Like you said, you've done multiple startups and, and whatever. Uh, how are you profiting right now with, with UApp? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Okay, let's talk about your capital then. Was it entirely uh, bootstrapped from yourself or did you have investors as well? Oh, so last December, I was with a few friends. So it's over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we raised a low seven-digit million. Um, yeah. So mainly from investors. Oh, from from your, your, your friends? Yeah, from my friends, yeah. Okay. I, I personally also invested. And what kind of discussion did you have with your, your, your friends and your colleagues then to help them see what you were, were, were seeing? Oh, it's it's so funny. So it started off saying, hey, you, you know what? We're going to build a Web3 wallet. Right. Yeah, and then, you know, <laughs> it came February and then, you know, the whole Web3 thing came crashing, right? Yeah. And then we were like, okay, maybe let's relook at it because FTX uh, shut down yeah. around that time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then then we, we sort of did a small pivot to global events uh, because um, a, a few of a few of my friends, they know conference uh, organizers, they know festival organizers and we're like, okay, let's start off with that. Mm. You know, then later on, uh, somewhere around June, um, we got a feedback, we started finding local cultures mm. and after that we realised, okay, it's easier to help them to create alternative forms of networking mm. with merchants. Yeah, So we will get back to Web3 next year, uh, but for this year, just very focused on helping people to network. How, If, if you don't mind me asking, how, how big or how small is your team that you're able to have these dis- discussions and, and pivot very, very quickly and it not be having to jump through hurdles and convince you know multiple people Oh, um, so for, on the investor side, it's quite easy because um, I still retain uh, majority control and they're all my friends. So they, they, they are like, you know, okay, just, just do what you think is right. Um, on the colleague side, I have 30 plus people in the team. Uh, I have 20 um, developers in Indonesia uh, and the rest of the team is in Malaysia. In Singapore, I only have a finance uh, person. So you're, you're pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is it difficult for you moving around all these places? You know, do you, do you or I mean, I speak to entrepreneurs who tell me it's it's quite, it can be quite a lonely journey. You know, because you're constantly on the move, you, you're living in and out of hotels. How do you manage your time? Is it a lot of the stuff done online? You know, virtual meetings kind of stuff. Or are you the kind of person that prefers to be in these spaces talking to people? So, so I look really young, but I'm very old school. So I prefer face-to-face meetings. Right. Um, I have six core team members who have been with me for the past 10 years yeah. uh, over different startups. Um, yeah, so two of them right now is in Indonesia um, and one is in Singapore. The rest are in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're pretty much... Um, uh, you know, because we've been working together for so long, there's very good chemistry. Yeah. yeah so trust is there. Um, don't really need to manage so much. Mm-hmm. Talk to me then a little bit about the the um, I, I guess the the industries in the, te- and the within the tech sector here in Malaysia and the stuff you're doing obviously is all involved in that, but not just Malaysia. This Southeast Asian region, we've been speaking about this for a long time. You know, there's there's huge potential here. When you look at the scenes. Uh, the scene in Southeast Asia, what do you see? How do you identify your gaps in the market? And how, where do you get your feedback from and your, you know, your information from? Where does all that come from? 
So we have been a recipient of um, American technology or, or Western technology for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, and recently, we are a recipient of Chinese technology in recent times, uh, especially with you know WeChat, yeah. TikTok. Yeah. Um, but I think that it is the time now for Southeast Asia, especially um, I think 2024, 2025 onwards, for us to shine, for us to create something that the world can see and realize, oh, Southeast Asia uh, people from, from there, you know, they can create stuff that the world can use. Mm. Yeah. What, what do you think has been the, the kind of holdup then in terms of like, I mean, we, we do know that there are Southeast Asian companies out there, there are plenty of unicorns out there, you know, but why, why do you think we've been on the back foot so long in this region? Um, I think partly because most of the technologies that are developed um, are in more mature markets and very sizable markets like India, China, mm. uh, the US, um, or even Japan. But when you look at Southeast Asia, we are still adopting a lot of this technology. We are still trying to grow. We, are, we, we were a manufacturing base, mm. uh, but that has now moved to China. And now we are very focused on trying to find that path in mm. the last 10 years. And I think we have uh, good access to capital now, especially from Singapore and Hong Kong. Mm. Um, and we have good access to talents now. A lot of people in Southeast Asia, we are, um, they're young they are in the middle class, um, they're professionals, they're working, they're talented, and they, are, they really want to contribute back. And, and you know, mm. that, will, that will create a very strong foundation for a Southeast Asian company to say, hey, we're going to innovate, we're going to create something really different, we're going to let the world use it. Mm. I mean, obviously, you've got your own app, multiple apps, but as a VC yourself, you know, what do you look for in companies when you're thinking about helping them out? Uh, so when I had my 100 million fund uh, in 2018, um, we were we, we were trying to help uh, startups in the smart city space. Uh, that was before COVID, mm. when you remember Alibaba yeah, and yeah. Amazon was competing about the manless supermarket, manless yeah. cafe. Uh, so we invested in a lot of those technologies. Um, unfortunately, COVID hit. Uh, and, you know, so it was funny, right? Because before COVID, everyone was like, okay, this smart city solution thing, this iris recognition, biometrics, uh, manless guys, robotics, you know, will be the way to go. That's going to be the future. Yeah, that's going to be future, right? And yeah. then next thing you know, COVID hit, manufacturing stopped. No one talks about it anymore. Yeah, for yeah. a few years, it was quiet. Yeah. Ironically, it was actually the perfect solution for COVID because mm. no humans are involved. Mm. But it was too early. Um, yeah, so I think that will come back. You think it will come back? Yeah, robotics will come back. Okay. What about stuff like, you know, uh, voice act? We're hearing a lot about AI, right? Obviously, generative AI, yeah. and that, that seems to be the flavor of the month. And not too long ago, as you yourself said, Web 3.0 seemed to be the, the flavor of the month. Yep. AI seems to be somewhat different, though. This seems to be that tech that is, and I don't use this word lightly, it is groundbreaking in the terms of how it's involved in almost every industry right now at some point. How do you see it? Uh, so firstly, AI has been in existence for a very long time, yeah. uh, over 10 years, yeah. uh, but it has always been used um, for consumer products, uh, for business intelligence uh, in those years. Mm. But more recently, it has been used to create art. It has been used to create very innovative stuff that makes you, wow, you can use AI to create a movie. Mm. You can use AI to create humans, to create people, photos um, that at places that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, and you can use AI to replace jobs. Right. Yeah, so... That's a big scare though, right? Yeah, that's a big scare for a lot of people that's working robotic 9 to 5 jobs mm. because they think their copy and paste work, they think their administrative work um, or their process-driven work mm. um, is something that they they 
it's something forever, right? But it, it won't last forever because AI will, will replace that job. Mm. As long as it has a proper process, it has all the, all the parameters ready, your, your job, the robotic 95 job, will definitely be replaced. You seem almost excited about that, Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got one more question just before we have to go into the news. Uh, and it, it's, um, it, it's about collaboration between government agencies, uh, institutions and startups. Have you yourself been um, somebody who's dealt with some of these government agencies to help with your startups? Um, maybe I share my Singapore experience. Um, so in Singapore, when you deal with the um, government, uh, they are very, very, very proactive. They have matching investment grants. So um, it's, it's a literal grant, so they don't take a stick. Uh, they also have ones um, that takes a stick, small stick in the business where they follow on uh, investment with other investors. They also have free co-working spaces, not just from the government, but also from the universities, IHLs. Interesting. Um, and they also provide a lot of uh, marketing support. They provide a lot of capital. Uh, for the business to expand overseas. Mm. So there is a, a government grant in Singapore called the MRA grant, which helps businesses uh, to expand overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think uh, these are stuff that's very rare in the, in, in the Southeast mm. Asian market. Mm. Well, Douglas, thank you very much for your time today. It's been an absolute thank pleasure you, speaking you, with you. Yeah. Okay, folks, that was uh, Douglas Gandhi, founder of UAP, and from what I understand, multiple other apps and uh, businesses. If you did miss any part of the show, don't forget you can download the podcast. Uh, I recommend you listen to it via the BFM app, which is available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. More stuff coming up here on Enterprise, of course, just after the news. Don't go anywhere. This is Enterprise here on BFM 89.9. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.